0: Talking About the Weather, by Sarah Butler, inspired by conversations with Gerry Semple, Central Line train operator. Read by Tessa Nicholson. Part of Central Line Stories, a project by Sarah Butler and London Underground staff. Commissioned by Art on the Underground, London Underground, 2009. This is my schedule. Ten new words every day. One new conversation every week. I collect the words from the newspapers people leave on the seats. I write them into my book, and when I'm back at the house, I look them up in my dictionary. I practice until I know them. I've been doing the words ever since I arrived. The conversations are new. Conversation number one was the man in the shop I buy milk from. My name? Sylvia, I said to him. He smiled and nodded, but he didn't tell me his name, which made me think that perhaps I'd done it wrong. Number two was my supervisor. Have you children? I asked her. They are rowdy. Rowdy is a word I learnt from the newspaper, which means something like noisy. She frowned, but said that she did have children, two of them. Then she carried on speaking and I couldn't understand, so I just smiled and nodded until she stopped. All the rest of that day I kept thinking about my mother and how she'd take us to the beach when we were kids, looking for amber washed up by the sea. Today will be conversation number three, the weather. It is raining, which is good. I was going to talk to the train driver yesterday, but the sun was shining and I couldn't find the right words. They were there, somewhere, but my head gets tangled when I speak to someone new, which is why I have to plan. I get onto the train when everyone else gets off. I have 17 minutes to clean it. It isn't an interesting job, but it's work. People call the trains in London the tube because they go down big tunnels like pipes underneath the city. But this station is out in the open. It's called Newbury Park. I say it wrong. I know that because people always correct me. You have to make the burry bit sound like brie, but I keep forgetting. The driver closes the doors and carries on, just a little bit until we're sitting away from the platform. You can see a road off to the left with one of the big orange supermarkets at the end. On the right, there's a deserted-looking building, sitting up above the tracks behind some trees. I've always liked broken buildings. They remind me of old people, the kind who feel like they've been left behind while the world rushes past them. When I clean a train, I start from the front end and work my way to the back. By the time I've finished, the drivers walk through to the other cab, so back and front have switched around. People are messier when it's wet and when it's hot. I've learnt that. When it's hot, they leave behind empty drinks cans and torn ice cream wrappers. The train holds the warmth of their breath and their skin. When it rains, the abandoned newspapers are damp and ripped. The floor's wet and the carriages have a desperate air about them. People forget scarves and umbrellas and I find gloves separated from their partners huddled into tight balls in the corners of the seats. I'm over halfway along the train I have found nine words, three umbrellas and a black scarf with tiny black beads sewn into flowers you can hardly see. I've saved a newspaper for the driver, a nice dry one without the pages curled and ripped. The bag in my right hand is heavy with wet paper. The rain spits against the windows and I feel the cold breath of the wind when I move from one carriage to the next. The weather is terrible stormy today. That is my first line. I've practised it in front of the mirror. Stormy, I got from the newspaper. I try and add the words into my conversations, but it isn't easy. In my house, there are seven other people, all of them Polish, some of them from Middle Pomerania, where I grew up next to the sea. They seem so loud and confident. I haven't dared to ask any of them to help me. Three carriages left. Five minutes. Usually the driver would have walked through by now. I didn't see him. Usually it's a him, as the train pulled in, so I'm not sure who it is today. Sometimes they don't say anything, just walk straight past. Other times they smile and say hello. I've started to recognise some of them. Yesterday it was the one with dark grey hair and a kind face. He would have been good to talk to, but the sun was shining. I'm listening out for whoever it is today when I find the necklace. It's on the floor, just to the right of the middle set of doors. I imagine a woman collecting up her bags, concentrating on her escape route between the crowded inn passengers, not feeling the chain snap and fall. It's a delicate necklace, and these trains are noisy, so she wouldn't have heard it land. I drop the silver links into my palm and place the pendant on top. The amber's been shaped into a teardrop. There's no plant or insect inside, so it won't have been expensive. A leaf or a spider suspended inside the sea-worn, yellowed shapes were the biggest prizes of all. Find one of those and my mother would be happy for days. I wish I still had it. I can picture it. A long, fat piece of amber with the tiny ant curled in on itself at the very top. The ant was perfect. Six thin legs... Two antennae and each section of its body intact. The fat pointed end, the skinny waist. It would have fetched a good price, I knew that, but I wanted it for myself more than anything else in the world. Our house wasn't the kind of place you could hide things in, which is why I crawled into the disused hut just back from the sand dunes, prized up a rotting floorboard and tucked the piece of amber out of harm's way. The hut was a place my sister and I used to make up ghost stories about, We would dare each other to run up and just touch it, but suddenly it became a place of refuge. I would slip away from our beachcombing trips and sit in its dark, damp corners, cradling the ant in its sugary trap between both my palms. I'm thinking about this when I hear a door slam and I turn around and the driver's walking towards me, which is why I curl my fingers over the necklace. No other reason. I'm not someone who pockets the valuable things they find, I hand them straight in. I've got plans for myself, so there's no point messing up over things like that. I'm not ready. I can feel the English words trying to escape from my mind. I put my hand down by my side and take a breath. The weather is terrible stormy today. I feel the colour race up my cheeks. He looks at the rain drawing lines across the windows, then looks back at me. It's terrible, you're right, he says, though I'm not sure about the storm. Tomorrow it is better, maybe. This is sentence number two. There's only one left. He purses his lips. You might be right there. He nods as he speaks, and his plaits dance against his head. I want to open my palm and show him the necklace, I want to tell him about the ant caught in the amber, how I used to talk to it sometimes, tell it things, and how one day when I was sitting with it in the hut, my sister tracked me down and it was too late to hide it, how she got extra dessert for a week and I had to bite back the tears so my mother wouldn't ask why. I want to ask him if it's lonely, sitting in that cab driving into the dark, and if it is lonely, whether it's the good kind like you get when you stand on an empty beach and look out at the sea, or the bad kind like when you sit in a room on your own in a house full of people you don't know, wishing that the sound of the bus's heavy breathing outside your window is the sound of waves against the shore. "'Yes,' he nods. "'Maybe tomorrow will be brighter. I've not heard the forecast.' I've forgotten sentence number three. I smile and nod. Best get going, he says, no rest for the wicked. I smile and nod again, because if I say anything else, it will be wrong. And even if it isn't, the tears will still come out. I hold out the newspaper and he takes it. It's called The Sun. I look at the thick red letters And I remember now that sunny is the word I could have used yesterday. I stand to one side and he walks past. I can smell the aftershave on his skin. I watch him walk through the next carriage and the next until he reaches the cab door and disappears. I hold the rubbish bag in the same hand as the necklace and hurry myself up. I'm in the last carriage when he starts up the train again and once we're back at the platform I've finished my work. He opens the doors for me and I step onto the rain-stained concrete. Usually I go straight out to the bins. Today I put the bag down next to the nearest bench and walk up towards his cab. The rain feels like cold fingers on my skin. He doesn't notice me at first. I have to tap my nails on the window. He snaps round to see who it is. When he opens the door, I realise I haven't planned any words. I open my hand and hold it towards him. You found this! He lifts up the chain. The pendant swings beneath his fingers. I nod and point behind me towards the carriages. It's weird stuff, isn't it, Amber? He holds the amber closer to his face. And I remember my mother examining each piece we brought back to her as though it might hold a secret. I want to tell him about her. I want to tell him how difficult it was to leave and how if I went back it would be like giving up. He's concentrating on the chain now, trying to push the links back together. There, he says. The necklace is whole again. Good as new. He hands it to me. Lost property, he says, the words slow and spaced out. You know what to do with lost property? I nod. He smiles at me and closes the door. An elderly couple hurry along the platform and onto the train, "'leaning towards each other underneath a black umbrella. "'I feel the rain on my hair and on the backs of my clenched fists. "'The train pulls away and I watch it go. "'The amber is warm from his touch. "'I sit on the bench next to the bag of rubbish "'and lay the chain across my knee. "'I've already decided. "'I will wear the necklace. "'Just for today. "'I'm not a thief.' Tomorrow I will hand it in to my supervisor and she will fill in a form and send it to lost property along with the umbrellas and the black scarf with its tiny black flowers. I will wear it just for today. I open the clasp and lift my hands up and around my neck. The teardrop sits in the centre of my chest. I pull up my collar to hide it from view. I watch the rain falling and decide that tonight... I will write a letter to my mother. I will tell her my English is getting better. I will tell her that the women in England wear amber and it reminds me of home. I take my notebook from my jacket pocket and open it to today's page. I have nine words already. I find my pen and write, 10, Amber. Tonight, once I've learnt my words, I will plan conversation number four. I do not know who I will choose to talk to yet, but I have a whole week to decide.